are listening to the Space Tastic Mysteries podcast. We are starting the first book in the Lightyear series surrounding a mobile Alliance surgical hospital tending to the wounded at the front lines of the Freedom Alliance Crimson Fleet War. This is Episode 1, The Introduction. If you have not subscribed, do so now and if you are on YouTube, hit the bell to be notified of new episodes. Danny, I heard his voice, but I didn't look up. I'd spent the last eight hours in surgery, and I left the hospital when I heard the voice. I'd heard it many times before. I had not heard it in person for ten years. I heard it in my dreams. I'd seen him in my dreams. I had to be dreaming now, or hallucinating. I never felt he was gone. I never let them give up the search, but feeling our connection and him really being here were two different things. I moved into the travel tram an elevator that moved up and down as well as sideways, at the end of the corridor. Once inside the travel tram, the voice joined me. Danny, he said, clutching my arm and pulling me toward him. Did you not hear me call your name? I have been in surgery for the past eight hours. I figured you were a hallucination. I started my eyes at his shaved head, down his wide forehead to his broad nose and square jaw. A hint of a goatee surrounded his thick lips. His skin, still smooth and the color of a macchiato. The shaved head indicated he'd cleaned up before heading to the light years. He was dressed in his black flight coveralls, which indicated he was heading back to work. Did he come here to see me? Or was he assigned to the light years? Or both? He raked his eyes over me. Do you think about me often? I understand you were the one who insisted they find me. You are the one who figured out where I was and called it into the IIB. You couldn't come to rescue me yourself because you had to command the Freedom Alliance's first MASH space vessel. He gestured to our surroundings. Created in 2100, the Freedom Alliance was an United Nations-like organization that all the armed forces came underneath. They followed the rules and regulations set forth by the Freedom Alliance. A sect no longer agreed with the Freedom Alliance and formed the Crimson Fleet, which focused on creating an one-world totalitarian government. After they bombed one of the Freedom Alliance's space bases, the Freedom Alliance declared war with the Crimson Fleet. In addition to commanding the Light Years, the Freedom Alliance's first mobile alliance surgical hospital, I served as a surgeon, helping to treat the wounded and a federal agent, solving medical cases for the Intergalactic Intelligence Bureau, IIB. I know we had that huge fight and split before I was captured, but there has not been a day that I didn't think of you, and Zariah and wanted to make things right. Then I heard you married, and that he died a couple of years ago, he continued, touching my arm. When he saw me stare at him, he uttered, I am sorry that your husband died. Did you love him? Did I love my husband? Are you assigned to this vessel? When I saw him nod, I continued, then I am sure General Graham told you his ulterior motive about assigning you here. To stop my obsession in finding a cure to the disease that took him from me, and our family. I heard something about it. Let me help. He moved toward me and put his hand to my cheek and whispered, then maybe we could get back to what we used to be. I am afraid that would be impossible. I returned, searching his light brown eyes, the color of a cafe latte. I saw the familiar affection and love for me that I'd come to expect when we were together. There was some other things like regret, sadness and the sense of being lost. I felt sorry for him. If I'd been away from my family, friends and the things and people I'd love for ten years, I'd feel lost when I returned. Can't we talk? I'd love to catch up. 
I couldn't stop thinking about you and Zariah while we were apart. I took a deep breath and decided, come to dinner. Colonel's quarters. In an hour. Then you will understand why this cannot go back to what we were before you disappeared. Okay, but you need to know I never stopped loving you or Zariah. Please don't tell Zariah I am here. I want to surprise her. I don't even know if she will recognize me. Then he moved over to me and put his hand on the side of my neck. I felt the familiar tingle rushing through my body as he moved my face closer, slamming his lips against mine. We exchanged kisses for a few minutes before I broke away, uttering, I am sorry, as the doors split open. As I rushed out, he held the doors and asked, Sorry about what? And it better not be that kiss because, I shouldn't have done that. Maybe so, but you seem to enjoy it as much as I did. I shook my head and said with grave deliberation, it shouldn't have happened, and it cannot happen again. That sounds like a challenge, he returned. His lips inched up at the sides. There is a lot going on right now, I answered. Please let this go. I heard the pleading in my voice before I moved down the hallway. Close to an hour later, General Graham observed over my comlet, a wrist-worn communication device, Danny, you sound tired. Now that all of your crew has arrived, I am giving you and the skeleton crew that has handled all the incoming wounded over the last week three days off. I have already arranged it. No command duties. No surgery. But you can work on your next IIB assignment. Which is, I pulled the baked ziti out of the oven. You have to promise not to tell me you told me so. I placed the ziti on the potholders on the counter. We have some kind of evidence that the disease that killed Josh was man-made. Yes, but I am assigning you a partner for this one. I am only looking out for you. I am afraid that you might become obsessed again. He should have arrived by now. He is your new chief surgeon. Since you are working three jobs, you are limited to only practicing medicine when you have incoming wounded. But seeing as you are a MASH unit, that could be a majority of the time. Jake, I decided, leaning with my back to the counter. Jake, he is already here. I have already spoken with him. How did that go? About how you would expect. We broke up right before he was captured. You should have seen the hurt in his eyes when he realized I got married, and widowed. He wants things to go back to what we were before. I don't know that I can do that. Too much has happened to both of us. Graham answered. Just take it one step at a time. Before I could answer, I heard the doors chime, signaling a visitor followed by, Daddy. I've got to go. I am suspecting Jake has arrived for dinner. How did that happen? We can talk about it later. I watched Zariah, our 14-year-old with brown hair that reached her shoulders, a heart-shaped face, with skin lighter than her father and darker than my fair, freckled skin, hug her father from the kitchen. She had my light brown eyes and her father's broad nose and thick lips. Her smile and frame were definitely mine along with her hair color. She broke away and pulled him into our quarters. Mom didn't tell me you were coming. She said they were trying to rescue you. I wanted to surprise you, and your mom was instrumental in me being rescued, Jake told her. He looked her up and down. You were so little when I was captured. I didn't know if you would remember me. Mom and Josh, mom's husband, would show me pictures of you. We watched videos of you and mom and the three of us. He was really good to me. He never tried to replace you, but he treated me like I was one of his kids. She looked down, then up at her dad. I miss him a lot, and I know mom does too. It is not many men who would take on children that were not their own. 
Jake spotted me and waved. Chip, please tell the kids to wash up for dinner. I advised the computer system. I caught Zariah's eye. You can catch up with your dad later. Can you go help the younger kids wash up? She ran down the hall. Children, you have more than just Zariah. Jake questioned, moving toward me. You'll see. Just then a seven-year-old boy with my complexion, his dad's light blue eyes, Anglican nose and dark brown hair color moved through the living room. He was dressed in a white t-shirt and jeans. He plopped himself in a chair. That's Spencer, Josh and my son. Following behind him was a six-year-old girl with my light brown hair, broad nose and smile dressed in jeans and a flowery top. She sat across from Spencer. That's Charlie, Josh and my daughter. Zariah returned with a light brown-haired toddler with a round face and gumdrop nose in overalls on her right and an older version of the toddler with a longer face, darker hair and the same light brown eyes dressed in a gray sweatshirt and jeans on her left. And the older one is Max, and the younger one is Zach. They are my nephews. When Jake looked shocked, I put my hand up and said, I will explain later. Everyone, take a seat. Zariah, can you go get the ziti please? I held the wall for a moment, feeling weak. You okay? Jake asked, eyeing me. I am fine. My crew and I have been working too much to get this mash up and running, and handling all the incoming wounded. Grandma's arranging for me and my skeleton crew to have three days off. I just need some sleep without being interrupted. Zariah returned from the galley and placed the ziti pan in the middle of the table. Jake praised, you made my favorite. After we ate dinner and we watched a movie with the kids, the older ones retreated to their rooms to do homework while the younger ones were tucked in bed. As I put the dishes into the dishwasher slot that would return them clean in a few minutes, Jake joined me in the galley as I washed the counters. I hear you are right, that there is intelligence that suspects the disease that killed your husband was man-made. They have us working the case. You are on it to keep me from becoming obsessed again. Either way. I am glad to work with you again. He followed me out to the couch, where I sat with my legs tucked under me. You did a good job raising Zariah and your kids. He sat next to me. You found your family? Or are they Josh's nephews? When Zach was six months old, the boys were living with their parents on a remote research relay. It was attacked by the Crimson Fleet. The boys were among the survivors. The Freedom Alliance could not find next to kin until they ran their DNA through the intergalactic databases. Their father was my biological, full brother. I couldn't let them grow up in foster care like I did, he nodded. Wow, you had a biological brother. I am sorry he is gone. I cannot miss someone I didn't know. I wonder what happened there. Did he end up in foster care like me? I don't know and the boys are too young to tell me much about their father. He waved his hand around the room. Are the kids why you are hesitant to try again with me? Or are you seeing someone? A. I am your commanding officer. B. You are my partner on this case to find out who killed my dead husband. C. I am raising five children. Only one of which is yours. D. My husband died two years ago. E. We had a big fight and broke up before you were captured. F. It has been ten years. A lot of things changed. Although it is our connection that led me to never give up and led me to where you were being held. Are you seeing someone? No, but I think we should get to know each other for the people we are now. You must be feeling a lot of overwhelm and trauma from being held for that long. We have an excellent psychiatrist on board if you ever require his services. 
What about you? You seeing anyone? Someone you met while in captivity? He shook his head. My biggest regret was not making things right with you. I want you. No one else. If that means getting to know you again and taking on more children, okay. We are meant to be together, and you know it. I feel like I should tell you something before you get your heart invested in this. Just then Chip, the computer system, announced, Colonel Cassidy, there is a message for you. Then without me acknowledging it, a deep baritone voice came on the line, tell me where to find your parents. If you don't do this by the deadline, I am going to kill you. Obviously, I know your every move. Who was that? And how long has this been going on? You know you have to bring. I folded my arms and countered, the IIB knows. I have ran the voice print against the intergalactic databases but nothing. This person does this no matter where we are. The base house, the light years, when I am on other vessels. How long? You have been listening to the Space Tastic Mysteries podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Anagale, you can go to anagalelines.com. It's A-N-N-A-G-A-I-L-L-Y-N-E-S.com. And there you can download the first book in the Space Base LVN series called The Last Chance Station for free. You can also buy her other science fiction books on the website, Amazon. BN.com, Lulu and many other online outlets. Also sign up for the newsletter to keep updated as to what's going on in the world of the Anagale Lines podcast, her motivational podcast that helps women live significant lives and Space Static Mysteries podcast. Follow her on social media, Lady Anagale on TikTok, Anagale Lines on Twitter and Anagale Lines Artist on Instagram. Join her Facebook page at facebook.com backslash author Anagale. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being you.